Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church message of the week. Love Key Church is a local expression of a part of the body of Christ with a focus on creating a place, opportunity and atmosphere through worship music and the word where people can encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life and then help others to do the same. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife Valetta and our four children, we recently launched Love Key Church right here in Somerset West. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this message. If you are in this area and you don't have a spiritual family, please feel free to join us Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at 22 Dirkie A Street. We would love to welcome you there. Enjoy the message. Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe, and to share this with other people if you find that it is uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring to you. Thank you so much. God bless you as you listen to this word. This is the the heading for this week, kicking against the goads. Now, if you don't know what that means, you're not alone. Many people have no idea what this means. I I know that I've read this passage a few times and um, just kind of skipped over that word. (laughs) It's like, I think I know what it means. It's fine. So I'm going to focus on one person's story today. But I, I do want to mention, I think there's, a, there's an important thing that I want to bring across. And it's something that I, I realized sort of late in life, in a, in a way, fairly recently, is that it's, it's going to sound simple initially, but God always works through people. And we, we have this thinking, I think sometimes, that we are praying, God, do something. God, change this. God, make that happen. God, make the bad people go away. And and, and I think God wants to tell us, um, I I created you to do that. (laughs) That was what I did. (laughs) God, why aren't you doing anything? I did. I died on a cross and then I made you. So there you go. (laughs) Um, So something of that is, is I want you to keep in the back of your mind that God moves through his people for the atmosphere of heaven to come to earth for difficult situations to change some of the examples we have are obviously Jesus <laughs> we obviously had one, the most powerful encounter the ones we know of in scripture when he was fully man fully god the one that stands out for me is when he gets baptized by John the Baptist and his encounter is shared with the witnesses that are there, where God speaks and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. We have Paul, which I'm going to focus on today. We have Mary, the mother of Jesus. Imagine that, having that encounter with God. Martha, who's had a few. The one with Nicodemus is so powerful. The eunuch from Ethiopia who got baptized by the side of the road just there because he, he, someone helped him understand the the scripture and he was convicted and he knew that I need to do this thing. And then obviously so many from the Old Testament, Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Ezekiel, Elijah, and the list goes on. But today I, I want to share a bit of my story with you and then I want to get into the story of Paul. So I want to highlight um, three moments in my personal life where I 
encountered God and things shifted in a significant way. The fourth is, is something that came out of that and that I'll explain just now. I grew up in a fairly criminal, a criminal. <laughs> Typical. Why did I say criminal? That's criminal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a complete slip of the tongue. Wow. Okay. Someone's going to say, that's a Freudian slip. What are you not telling us? All right. Um, I grew up in a fairly typical Afrikaans Dutch Reformed environment. Went to church, read the Bible. My parents taught me about Jesus, God, everything. I knew the stories. Um, I remember being in a high school, Sonach uh, school class, where my dad was the leader, and I asked a lot of questions. <laughs> Sometimes he got frustrated with me. Um, and I was convinced I'm a Christian. I was completely convinced I'm a Christian. I, I went to church, I read the Bible, I prayed, and... But it's a very long story. I won't share the whole story today. But the important thing is that there was a moment where God had an appointment with me that changed everything. And it was at a, a Kringleiers camp. Wie van jullie was al Kringleiers in jullie leven? Okay, so that's the, the, I think the closest we get to English is a, a Christian student organization. Um, we had a camp. So the, the implication is you are a Christian because you're at a Christian leaders camp. So you're not just a Christian, you're a Christian leader getting training. Okay, so I'm 16 years old, it's 94, yes, long time ago. And I'm, we are having a worship session and at the end of it, the, the, the guy leading the worship said to us, he's going to play a song now, it was Agnew's Day by Michael W. Smith, and he invited us to use our imagination to go on this journey where we can, where we had to imagine we're walking through a forest. And my imagination was very vivid. I was there. I was completely in this forest, walking through the forest. And then he said, after the forest, you get to a clearing. And then on the other side of the clearing, there's a wall. And the wall is what's between you and God. And, and I, for me, it was so real. I was, I was there. I saw this wall. I couldn't see where it ended, to the left, to the right, up, it would seem completely impenetrable. And in the next moment, the, the bricks in this wall started laughing at me like little demons. And I just, I just realized in that moment that there is sin in my life. Between, and there's, there's the separation between me and God. And with a very simple prayer, I said, Lord, forgive me. I want to be with you. And I saw that wall turn to dust. And I had, I had as, as physical an experience you can have in the spirit of running into the arms of the Father and feeling Him hug me and say, I love you, my son. And I didn't know how much I needed to hear that. It completely changed my life. To know that the Father who created everything, who holds everything together, took a moment... <laughs> with me, to tell me he loves me. It just completely changed my life. 
And I became so hungry for, for more, for more of the supernatural, for more of the spiritual. And I started looking at, found some very weird things that I also knew, okay, this is not God. <laughs> um, I remember being in a meeting where they were, people were standing up and the guy in the front was waving a handkerchief and then groups of people will fall back in their chairs. It's like, I said, okay, God, if this is you, I want more of you. I want to experience the fullness of what you have. If this is you, let me fall. So I'm standing there waiting to fall. Everyone around me fell when the guy did the handkerchief. I was like, okay, so either I'm not a Christian or something weird is going on here. <laughs> I went with something weird is going on here. So I immediately left and took everything, everyone with me that was there. But I, there was a hunger in me to, to find out more about God and the power that the Bible speaks of. And, and it went on like this for a while. And I, I was a lone ranger Christian. I felt alone. I felt I didn't have someone walking with me, helping me um, through some of these things. I read a lot of books but I had a seesaw kind of Christian life because for a while there was this honeymoon phase, you know, where it's like when you get married and everything is great for a while. And then one day you get the talk of why is the, the toilet seat up when I get here? And then you're like, why is it down when I get here? And then it starts becoming, you realize maybe the honeymoon phase is coming to an end now because we're actually having little fights, you know, and then the fight, little fights become big fights and yeah, it grows. So there's a, there's a honeymoon phase with becoming a Christian. You, there's this euphoria that you're like, you want to get everyone saved and you just feel great. And then somewhere along the line, it gets, life gets real again. And for me, I started falling back into old habits and I knew it was wrong and then I would feel guilty and ashamed. And then I would work to do everything right and try to impress God to be right with him again. Then I would decide after being without sin for a while, I'm right again. And I would feel confident to come back to God. And, and God was like, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, this went on for a while. And then the whole idols thing happened in my life, which obviously changed things in a big way. And... But what it did spiritually was all my weaknesses, all my issues were amplified. And the opportunity to sin became way more. And I realized after a while that I'm heading in a bad direction. Luckily, God loves me like he loves all of us. And he gave me opportunities to come back to him. And the big one that happened was a couple of months after I won Idols, God spoke to a pastor. Actually, he spoke to him in the beginning of that year, but he only phoned me later in the year. He phoned me and said, listen, let's have coffee. Now, it's a long story, but just to fill you in, this guy also prophesied over my life. I only met him once. He prophesied. It was August 2001. That prophecy was one of the reasons I entered Idols in the first place. I never heard from him again. Then he phones me. October 2002, and said, listen, let's have coffee. Then he, now we're having coffee, and he tells me about this thing called discipleship. I've never heard of it before. I've heard that there are disciples, but I've never heard of discipleship in this way. And then, you know, while he's speaking and explaining to me that, you know, you need someone that's spiritually stronger than you, that walks with you, that, that you allow to speak into your life, and that, that can help you uh, 
read the Bible the correct way and to grow in your faith and stuff. And, and you, you know, if you've got stuff you're struggling with, you need to share it. And, and I'm sitting there, and I, initially I was like the, the penguins from Madagascar. I was just smiling and waving. Yeah, sure. But in my mind, I'm going, heck no. I don't want to tell you what's going on in my life for real. <laughs> I've been very successful at keeping that a secret. <laughs> and for a while, I tried to give him an edited version of my life. And then something happened that made me realize I can't keep doing this. And one day I went to his house and I said to him, okay, I can't do this anymore. I have to, I have to get real. And then I just told him my whole story. And I thought he was going to kick me out of the house because I thought I was that bad a Christian that I don't deserve to be one. But he just loved me. He just loved me, ministered God's love to me. And in that moment, I've, I've I experienced how the love of God just overwhelms you so much. You don't want to sin ever again. And that's what, what Jesus means when he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because when you realize how much he loves you, you want to love him back. That's where this love key comes from. Love, you know, when you, the key to salvation is the revelation of how much God loves you. And I had that moment there. And that, that again, just changed things inside of me. Then quite a, quite a lot of time passed, about four years, and I, I had again allowed old habits to come back into my life, slowly but surely compromised, slowly but surely made bad decisions. And, and sin came back into my life in some areas, and I knew it was wrong, and I, I kept trying to not be that guy. <laughs> and I... I would start telling whoever was discipling me a bit less and a bit less and a bit less. And then eventually, and in that time, um, I also met Aletta. And um, I knew that she was special, but I had no idea at that time that she would be my wife. And because I was blind. I was blinded by allowing certain things back into my life. And it was January 2006 where I had a very dark moment where I decided, okay, obviously I cannot do this Christian thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm way too weak. I can't live up to the standard. Can't do it. I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm going to quit this Christian thing. Uh, I wrote a long email listing all of my sins to my pastors and friends. And I said to them, I'm so sorry that I've wasted your time. But I am wasting your time by trying to be this thing that I can't be and trying to impress God. And what. So I had all the wrong ideas uh, about who God is, who I am. I was still, you know. Anyway, all of them got back to me with the following. Heinz, I read your mail. And all I can tell you is that God loves you, and I love you. That hasn't changed. And this is not the end of your story. And once again, the love of God through people changed my life. I couldn't believe that, that they still loved me, that God still loved me. And I realized this last thing. I was still, even though I was born again, saved, had so many teachings, had praise and worship so many times. I was still approaching God like an orphan. 
someone who doesn't really belong, someone who feels like, you know, I still need to impress you. Maybe you won't really adopt me. If I don't do this and I don't do that, and I, I was still doing that. I was in that place. And that experience, and actually all three of these experiences together that day culminated in a moment where I realized, I'm a son. <laughs> I am a son. I am a son. That never changes. No matter what, I'm a son. And what I, when I read the scripture that I want to share with you about Paul today, I realized that I was kicking against the goads myself in a slightly different way than Paul, but I was doing it. And I'll explain to you what that means just now. So most of you will probably know that there's a guy called Saul who we meet early on in Acts, the, the book van Andelingen. And later on, his name became Paul. Okay? Does everyone know that? Good. Um, what I didn't know until I studied this is that his story of his conversion, his encounter with God, actually comes up three times in Acts. The first time, it's the writer of, of Acts, which from what I can tell is Luke, telling the story, recounting the story of how Paul encountered Jesus and his life was changed. And the other two times, it is Paul telling his testimony. Once before the Jewish people in the synagogue and once before the king Agrippa as his case was kind of elevated towards going to Rome in front of Caesar. I need, I, I want to know if you guys can, can concentrate for three pieces of scripture. <laughs> Thank you, Sumari. When, when, I, when I quote too, too much scripture, my, my wife gets a little, like, there's too many words on the screen. Um, so, I only have the important bit up on the screen of the first time we read about this in Acts 9. But I'm going to read to you this account as well as the other two, okay? Because it's very interesting to note that... Paul adds and leaves out certain details in the times that he uh, tells the story. Okay, so Acts 9. Then Paul, ah, sorry, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem, all right? So he was a man on a mission. He, was, he felt so strongly about stopping the church of Jesus that he went and asked authority to, to be delegated to him to put these people in jail, men and women. As he journeyed on his mission, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, He heard a voice 
Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You see where my title comes from? So he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And then it tells of how he, the men who were with him, they stood speechless because they heard the voice, but they didn't see what he was seeing. Then Saul got up. He was blinded by the glory of God. So they had to lead him to Damascus. And there he was three days without sight. Then separately, God was speaking to a disciple, Ananias, and told him, to go to a specific address and pray with Saul. And Ananias was understandably like, Lord, are you sure this guy is killing us? And you want me to go to him? God said, yes, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And then Ananias, this is how Ananias greets Saul, the guy who is killing Christians. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, he sent me that you may receive your sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once. And he rose and was baptized so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some time with the disciples and immediately preached the Christ in the synagogues. All right, that is the first time we read the story. The second time, this is Saul, Paul now, telling his story in Acts 22. He said, now it happened. As I journeyed and came near Damascus at noon, Suddenly, a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise, go to Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that time, at that hour, I looked up at him, and he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That is how Paul tells the same story. He tells it again in Acts 26 from verse 12. He says, As I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission. 
He's speaking to a king now, King Agrippa. So he's telling him, I had authority and a commission from the chief priests at midday. He's saying the time. O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, first two times he fell to the ground and he also said he fell to the ground. Here he says, we all fell to the ground. Interesting difference. I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, that's important, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Now listen to this. I know it's been long. Just focus. This is good. But rise. Now here, Paul says, Jesus spoke this to him as well. In, in, the, in the first version, we don't read this. In the second version, we hear that Ananias told him certain things. This is Jesus now, according to Paul, speaking to him, saying, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Why did he appear to you? I have a purpose. For, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you. Why will he deliver him from the Jewish people and the Gentiles? Because they're going to try and lock him up. To whom I now send you to open their eyes. What was the first thing that happened to Paul? His eyes were opened. So now God is sending him to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Is there a hell? Is there a heaven? Is there a God? Is there a devil? Yes. Don't wonder about it. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. How powerful is that? How many of you want to know what God's purpose is for your life? How many of you want to have an encounter like this where it's made this clear? Okay. So I want to quickly try to summarize the steps of his encounter. Because I think we can all learn from this, okay? This is why I'm breaking it down. He had, where was he at in his life when the encounter happened? He had man-made authority and he was on a mission. His mission happened to be trying to stop the church of Jesus. His path, mission and focus was interrupted suddenly. So he was heading in a certain way. Something happened suddenly, all right? He was forced to fall to the ground and pay attention because of the glory of God. What is this? He had to humble himself, all right? Then he heard Jesus' voice. He was convicted of persecuting Jesus. It's interesting to note that Jesus says, you are persecuting me. He didn't say you're persecuting my church. You are persecuting me. And then he said, you are kicking against the goats. Now, I had to go and look this up and find out what this means because I thought it was quite interesting. In some of the more modern translations, it, it gives it a different word there. But there's one guy that I found that did a study on this that summarizes it well. He says, to kick against the goats is nothing less than an exercise in vanity. Futile and pointless. 
The Greeks and Romans used the saying to imply ruinous resistance. So if you resist, it'll be useless. Paul had to learn the hard way that resistance to Jesus was a losing battle. Hopeless. God is sovereign. His will is absolute. And in the end, God's will will prevail. Those who resist Jesus are only hurting themselves. He goes on to explain that a goad was literally a long stick with a sharp point that they used to get ox, oxen into a camp or into a space. And the oxen would be annoyed and kick against the goad and get hurt. It will jab them in their feet or in their legs. So this is literally what Jesus is saying to him. You are kicking against the goads. This is inevitable. My will is inevitable. His response to what Jesus says was to say, what should I do? And when Jesus spoke to him, he obeyed. That is a very important part of the steps. Because he could have had this whole experience and still kept on kicking against the goads. He could still keep on kicking against what he knew was true. One of the other things I read about this was the guy, I think the fancy word is postulated, he interpreted that from the saying, kicking against the goads, it, is, it must have been a fact that Paul who knew the scriptures backwards. I mean, he, in the one scripture he goes on about his, how well qualified he is. He knew the scriptures so well. He must have seen this Jesus and what he did. Read the scriptures and go, wow, there's something here. This is like, this could be him. But his religion, his, his holding to the old ways kept him from allowing that truth. And so he went into overdrive. Now he's like the pure persecutor of the, of the church and Jesus knew his heart so he said you know the truth you're kicking against it stop it that's what's happening here it was similar in my story I was kicking against what God wanted to do in my life the fullness of what he had the truth the love the goodness I was kicking against it because I was trying to do it in my own strength in each of our lives we may be kicking against the goads in some way and the question today for each and every one of us is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to keep kicking and getting hurt? Or are we going to stop, fall to the ground, humble ourselves, listen for the voice of God, and obey what He says? I think it's also important to note the role of Ananias. Because here's a Christian, a disciple, a devout man, according to Paul, God speaks to him about Saul. Now, Saul was literally his enemy. Not even figuratively. Literally his enemy. If, he, if, Paul, if, Paul, if Saul had found him the day before, he would kill him or take him in. Okay? Now, Jesus appears to Ananias and says, you've got to go to this guy in Straight Street and pray for him. It's like, uh, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> But no, Jesus is speaking and Ananias is obedient. After he did question God, he had a, he wanted to ha he had a moment and Jesus didn't rebuke him for it. So we could see that there can be a relational moment. But then ultimately Jesus said, this is what I'm going to do through his life. Go. And he goes. And he's, when, as soon as 
Ananias laid his hands on Saul and prayed for him. The scales, the physical blindness went away, but also the spiritual blindness went away. And he was immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized. And then he started listening to the disciples. So he was taught. But it says he immediately started preaching Jesus. Can you imagine what a powerhouse this guy was? He knew all the scriptures. And suddenly, in a moment, God revealed to him how all these scriptures that he knew so well were fulfilled in the one that he was persecuting. Can you imagine listening to that guy preaching the first time? It must have been amazing. So what, what do we learn from this? Oh, I skipped some of the steps. Sorry, guys. What do we learn from this? We need to each establish where we are on our own mission. We each have a mission. We're on some kind of mission. All right? We need to figure out, am I saved or am I unsaved? We need to have a moment where we are honest with ourselves. Jy mag telk soos ek, a kulturele christen wees. Ek is a christen, want ek het in a christen huis groot geword. As dit sin maak, as jy lang genoeg in a garage gaan leeg, gaan jy kar word. Okay? Om in a christen huis groot te maak, groot te word, is goed, en het is wonderlik, en ek is dankbaar vir my ouwers wat dit gedoen het. Maar ek moes a besluit neem ergens in my leven. I needed to make a, a specific decision and follow through on the commitment by being obedient. Have I maybe backslidden? Have I said yes to Jesus, but I'm kind of coasting along? Am I a nominal Christian? Am I saved, got my ticket to heaven, but the devil isn't scared of me because I'm not doing anything for the kingdom of God? Or am I kicking against the goads in some area of my life? With God's will, Ugh, with God's will or against it? Am I with God's will or am I against it in whatever area of my life it may be? It comes down to am I obedient or am I disobedient? How do we apply this? We wait till God, you can either wait till God suddenly brings you to a standstill. I believe God loves us so much that he will allow you to hit a rock bottom in your life if that is what's going to take if that's what it's going to take to make you stop and notice him and listen to him you can either wait for the rock bottom or you can choose to humble yourself to listen to draw near to him to seek his face the bible says if you draw near to me i will draw near to you He's there. He's waiting. When I was little, I would think that if I turned on the radio and, and the, the radio station would suddenly be, would turn itself on. So I, I controlled the music. So when I turn on the radio, the music starts. And when I turn it off, it stops. That's the perspective I had. Because if it's off, it's not playing. You know? Later in life, obviously, I learned that the radio station is actually broadcasting on a frequency 24-7. But it's only until I switch on the radio and tune into that frequency that I can hear it. And some of us need to do that. Some of us need to go 
and tune into the right frequency because God is broadcasting to us all the time. He is everywhere. He is in everything. But the question is whether we are seeking Him, drawing near to Him. We need to obey John 14 verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen? Do you guys still have time? I see it's quite late. I didn't realize how late it was. Can, can we still go a little bit? Okay. I, I would like to take a moment for us to just reflect and respond to this. Um, because I think it's important to just take a moment. Sorry. And just respond to what God is doing with us today. So can we, can we do that quickly, please? So just close your eyes. Ask God. Or look at yourself just very honestly. Say, where am I? On what mission am I currently? Paul says, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling ask God am I saved am I where you want me to be am I walking in the fullness of what you have for me maybe you're kicking against the goads maybe you're kicking against what you know is true maybe you've been called for something but you are resisting the call of God Maybe you know that there's an area in your life that you haven't surrendered to Him and you are kicking against surrendering it to Him. This is a moment where you can repent, change the way you think and say yes to God. Respond to His voice and make a decision today. I'm just going to give it a few moments for you guys to do that. stand and make these faith declarations before we go. Just repeat after me. I am a child of God. I live to know Jesus and to make Him known. I am a friend of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus and He owns everything. I'm the head and not the tail. I am blessed in my going in I am blessed in my going out. What I do in this life matters in eternity. You guys are awesome. Jesus loves you. Have an amazing day. May His joy be with you wherever you go. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Message of the Week. 
We trust that you found that encouraging, inspiring, hopefully challenging in a good way and that you will come back next week to listen again. We want to invite you once again, if you are in the Helderberg area and you're looking for a spiritual home, to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 22 Durkee A Street. May God bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you and your family. Bye-bye.